From the Tiger Cats Audio Network, this is Tiger Cats Game Day with Courtney Stephen and Mike Daly. Welcome to Tiger Cats Game Day presented by Tiffany Gate Fresh Gourmet on the Tiger Cats Audio Network. It's week 12, game 10 for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They are in BC tonight to take on the BC Lions who are 7-3, and 4-0 at home, 7 p.m. kickoff at BC Place, and joined, as always, by my, my co-pilot, my right-hand man, Mike Daly. Mike, this one is uh, coming after a really tough game for the Ticats. They lost to Edmonton, looking to rebound against a team that is not going to let up or give them an easy one by any stretch of the imagination. How do the Ticats fans need to think about this game and what we're about to see tonight? Yeah, well, I mean, even to stack on, you know, the loss from last week in Edmonton, that tough one where, you know, you just, you really hope you don't lose to a team that's at the bottom of the, the league there. But now they got to travel out west, right, to BC and court. You and I have been there before. It's not the easiest trip in the world. I mean, luckily the game's early enough, so it's really 7 o'clock local time for us. Um, so that'll help a little bit. But no matter what, you spend long enough on an airplane flying over there and then have to kind of, coordinate yourself with the hotel what you're going to eat but the court from from what you remember right why were those games so hard was it because you were just on a flight for three hours was it the jet lag was it because bc place is as humid as can be like what what is that and why does that become so difficult to travel out there i think there's all of the above the time difference you end up waiting around a long time which is something on a game day I would used to just love to get right to it. But also those could be really convenient excuses because there's a lot of games that we played in, Mike, that went down to the wire and were really close. And maybe we were a couple plays away from winning. And I don't know if it's necessarily that the barometric pressure was a blame for why we didn't walk away with those W's and those close ones that ended up on the wrong side of. So I think it's it's tough. It's obviously you're, you're going three time zones back and your body has to adjust to that. And I think that's why the Ticats went out an extra day early this time around. But it remains to be seen if any of those things will be a factor tonight. Because the worst thing that you can have for an opponent, and I'm, I'm talking from the perspective of BC, is an opponent who has really nothing to lose. They're backed in a corner, back against the wall. There is These guys have pride. They are professional athletes that show up every single day and work as hard as the next guy. And when you're backed up back against the wall, that's when you're most dangerous. And I expect the Ticats to come out tonight firing because they've got something to prove, not to anybody else, but really to themselves. And and I think that's what we're going to see. And that will be the storyline tonight. So let's let's crack this one open and, and start to look at who we're going to see. Not too much has changed. One thing of note, we are going to see Terry Godwin back in the lineup for this Ticats offense. And I think he is going to be an impact player to watch because he's had consistency over this season, he's got reliable hands. He runs great routes. He creates opportunities for this offense to convert on second down because he actually is one of those guys who could do the intermediate, the short, and the deep stuff. So how do you see Terry Godwin's return to this lineup making an impact? And who else is in this Ticast offense that we need to know about? Yeah, I think Terry Godwin is exactly that, right? He's that... He is that one of those deep threats that, you know, on the outside, he's going to be able to hopefully open up this Ticats offense where Taylor Powell can now look and take a shot, right? 
Obviously, he's got Tim White that's able to be able to you know blow the top off, get over top of some coverage, and and really stretch that defense. But kind of everybody else that's there, like the Tyreek McAllister, he's more of that yak yards, right? Catch the ball short and make a couple people miss. Duke Williams, big body, he's been showing that he can go over the middle and catch those intermediate passes right between the linebackers, whatever it is, and take a shot. So to be able to have two guys, and one being Terry Godwin added in with Tim White, that can kind of blow the top off it. It makes defenders a little bit uneasy, right? you got to make sure you're playing a little bit more safe, and especially with this BC defense, who has been playing very well in the back end, right? Terry Godwin is going to see... Gary Peters, who's, you know, is is a good corner around here, right? He's been around the league for a while. He's made a ton of plays. So it'll be nice to see Terry put a good game together as well as this Ticats offense against, you know, one of the better defenses in the league. And, court, like, just to go back on your point where you get backed in the corner, right? And we've all been there where it's almost like with the Edmonton loss, there's like an embarrassment with it, right? And, you know, anybody can win in the league at any time. Like you said, there's there's good players on every single team. Um, but I know internally in that Ticats locker room, coaches, players, it's like, how did we let that one slip away, right? A team like that. So always check for, as soon as that happens, it's kind of a reality check for everybody there. And, you know, this BC is going to be a, a really good test for them to come back out and say, okay, we still got some fight left in us. Let's give it to one of the one of the better teams in the league here. Absolutely. Taylor Powell, excited to see what he can build on after having a couple more starts under his belt. He's got something to prove as well. I know he's a guy who plays with a lot of confidence, but we're still waiting to see those guys get into the end zone. I think the, the multi-touchdown games are on the horizon. And with this lineup of receivers that are there, with the offensive line that is together, if the offensive line can figure it out, to make sure that Taylor Powell stays upright and has the opportunity to not just necessarily score touchdowns on explosive plays because, you know, when you live by it, you tend to die by it. And that's been the case as of late. I think they just need to convert second downs and guys like Duke Williams, guys like Terry Godwin, those even Keandre Smith, really, those are the guys who I think help you sustain drives, keep your defense off the field and get you within striking distance because then when you got a guy like James Butler back there, anything can happen. Pitch it to him sideways. That counts as a pass, folks, and you can get into that touchdown column uh, in terms of passing. Taylor Powell, that's a tip. You can take that to the bank. If, if it comes through, you can tell him that I told you to do that. Um, let's talk about the defense now. We've got one change over there. Will Sunderland's coming in. Lawrence Woods III is coming out of the lineup. Now, uh, Will is going to be the designated American. He plays corner. He's tall. He wears the deuce deuce. So you know that I got, I like this guy. He's, he's rangy. He has long arms and he can play in that defensive backfield. But him coming into this lineup, I think could be a signal that, hey, we want to see something from our defensive backs. And if there isn't that thing, we're going to make some changes so that everybody who is in our roster will have an opportunity to make their play. Uh, what what are you thinking about with the lack of changes, really? There's only two guys going in and out of this roster. What does that mean? Or does it mean anything? Yeah, it's tough, right? Because, I mean, there's just still so much out there on the field, like giving up 160 yards rushing last game. Like that's just kind of unheard of, right, from this Ticats defense. From When you look at who's out there, like with the Casey Sales, Dylan Wynn, Ted Laurent, right, Simone, 
right? Jameer Thurman, you're just kind of like, how's that happening, right? It's just one of those like kind of head scratches a little bit. So yeah, having Will Sunderland come in, maybe that's one of those things where, you know, we know BC is going to air it out, right? They're first in the league in passing. Of course they're going to air it out, right? Like they, it's all they do. So maybe it's one of these, you know, kind of being like real close as that backup. Like, hey, just so you guys know, there is somebody else sitting here waiting to get in and waiting to be able to play. I don't know if that's really the right way to go with it in terms of the pressure on it, but something's got to change because everybody is going to look at this offense and say, okay, offense, like let's get going, which rightfully so, they need to get in the end zone. But last week against, you know, and I'll keep bringing up the Edmonton game just because it was so recent, 30% on second down conversion getting off the field for the Ticats, right? And I'll tell you what, I, Corey, you brought this this to my attention right before we started talking about the show on the show. But twelve of the last fourteen games, the the team that wins the second down conversion is is going to win the game, right? And that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody because that's how you keep drives going. That's how you get closer to the end zone. That's how you're able to put the ball in the end zone or kick some field goals and get some points. It's just they need to be better on second down, right? There's there's no question about it. Right, so I, it is a head scratcher, but it will be like you said, Will Sunderling coming in this test at BC as throwing the ball. It's going to be a good one. And convert on second down as an offense for BC that they've got a lot of guys who can help them do it. Of course, they've got Lucky Whitehead, they've got Hatcher, Hollins, Katoy, Vernon Adams. There's a spread of weapons. Vernon can get outside the pocket and extend plays, give guys like Lucky Whitehead a chance to break coverage and, and get loose. Hollins, Katoy, these are all very serviceable receivers. So there's not going to be a chance to fall asleep at the wheel for anybody, even if it's second and long, meaning second and 10, 11, 12, 15, 16, 17. Those are the ones that are most dangerous because a conversion on second and long is not only demoralizing, but it often changes the, the zone of the field that you're playing in. You might be going from negative territory across the center field line into plus territory or from outside of field goal range into field goal range with a conversion like that. So it's important. It's imperative. It is mandatory that the Ticats lock up these receivers and get off of the field. They've got an offensive line there that isn't going to be uh, one to, to sleep on either. So the Ticats defensive line will have their hands full with the likes of Suk Chung and uh, Couture there on the interior. But I, I like the matchup. I think that there is potential there for this Ticats D to make some plays. And um, looking at the BCD, I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't, I'm not afraid of any of these characters over there. You've got the veteran TJ Lee, He's like a savvy guy who's been around the league for a long time. And if you fall asleep at the wheel or you throw out a lazy pass late out into the flat, he's a guy who can take advantage of that. But really, if you do your thing as a Ticats offense and a Ticats defense, I have faith. Like we have the guys, we have the guys and we should be able to pull this one out. When you look at this uh, BC team, offense or defense, who are, who are the folks that jump off of the page to you and who are the ones that you're game planning for, whether you're, you know, on the offensive side or the defensive side? Yeah, let, let me start with the, the offensive side for BC, right? You look at a guy like Keon Hatcher. He's probably he's one of the best receivers in the league right now, right? Making a ton of plays past two games, 15 receptions, two touchdowns. He's kind of Vernon Adams' go-to guy, right? 
The nice thing about this, so when you look at game planning this offense, is they're last rushing the ball. They're dead last. Right? So it's we talk about this all the time, Court. It's the, you know, make them do something they're not good at. So now what that does for Mark Washington and, and the Ticats defense, it says, okay, well, listen, I, I know we've been struggling a little bit against the run as of late, but let's see if BC can do it, right? Because that's not what they want to do. They want to air the ball out. They throw deep over double anybody in the league right now. All their, uh, they're double the attempts of any other team in the league throwing it deep, right? So that means they're just taking shots after shots. And that's, that's the way Vernon Adams plays, right? He'll buy himself a little time back there. If he sees a one-on-one matchup, he's putting that thing up there. So expect the Ticats defense to say, you know what? If they're going to run the ball on us and, and get a little bit of success, we'll give that up because we're not going to let BC do what BC wants to do. Air this thing out to Keon Hatcher, Lucky Whitehead, all the people you were talking about. We, we're just not going to let that happen. So I'm kind of expecting Ticats to, you know, maybe go back to that old rush three, maybe spy Vernon a little bit because he can move around, but just drop a ton of people into coverage. And, you know, there's good and bad of that for sure, Court, but I, I'm expecting them to say, here, try to run the ball on us. Okay, so knowing that BC is not a run-first team, and they have guys who like to stretch the field. They're throwing deep more than anybody else. In my mind, I I have two coverages or two concepts that I want to run if I'm the defensive coordinator. But I'm going to throw this over to you because you you're you're a coach, you're a player, you've been the quarterback of the defense back there. What are you practicing on day two this past week when you're working on second downs? What coverages are you installing and polishing up to make sure that the Ticats are ready for this air attack? Yeah, good question. This is this is where I start getting excited to talk about stuff like this. But so we're we're going something where all the DBs are essentially going to turn their backs to the quarterback. So it's going to be man coverage underneath, right? Everyone's going to say, you know what, I got this guy. Get right up in his face and press him, not let him off the line, slow him down. And they're going to put two guys back there, Stavros and then whoever else wants to show up back there. Two guys deep to just roam the back. And anybody that wants to throw that ball deep will go pick it off. And if you want to try to throw something a little bit short, I got my D, um, I got my DBs right in front of your face, not letting you off the line, getting physical, right? We call that two-man, where you just got two people high and everybody else is man-to-man. If he goes and gets a drink on the sideline, you go get a drink with him. Right, one two, of those type two of straws. Things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so something like that, right? Because it's going to say, "Hey, you know what, D line, you go get Vernon Adams. Make sure he doesn't get out of there, and we are going to make this very difficult in him passing the game, in the, him in the passing game." But that does leave you a little bit susceptible to the run. But I do expect the Ticats defense to do that because they're just too dangerous right now throwing the ball, right? And that's how BC's winning their games. So you got to take away what they're good at. Yeah, I'd expect to see two men on second and medium plus. Um, you also have to let the D-line kill the draw and the QB draw because QB draw is is how you would beat this two man. If it's really giving you a headache, you, you drop back and then you tuck it and VA does his thing. Another type of coverage that I might mix in if I'm really trying to kill the three and four verticals and, and those deep crossing routes, I might put us in cover four and say, you know what, you're there's a lot of guys in the deep part of the field. There's a couple guys in the center of the the lower part of the field. 
And I want you as the opposing quarterback to have to find the void that's in the flats. So forcing BC to attack laterally and going short and outside to see how long they can bite their tongue and just take what the defense is giving them before they force it into a coverage. I think mixing in some cover fours, some two man, maybe some match, some matchup zone where you're going, you know, four on three or three on two. I think those would be some options to give a different look to VA Vernon Adams, make him think, diagnose, but still make sure that you're doubling deep routes because that's what we're doing in all of these coverages that we've talked about is we're finding creative ways to put more than one defender on a vertical receiver. And I, I think obviously Mark Washington is he's a professional defensive coordinator. It's not like we're trying to give him tips, <laughs> but I think it's cool for the fan to understand the thought process behind why are you, why would you call certain plays at a certain time going up against a team that's going to stretch you deep? I think those are three great options. So let's, let's talk about the players who are going to uh, be in the spotlight. Um, we talked about Hatcher. I brought up Whitehead. We talked about Duke Williams, um, Keandre, Terry Godwin. Where is there a matchup on this field that you think has a direct impact on the outcome of this game yeah and i'm gonna go with you know two people we didn't talk about at all yet right and that's kendrick sartor right the right tackle but he's going up against a guy on bc named matthew betts right and right now matthew betts has 11 sacks and he is just wrecking games right he is playing very very well and i hope you really liked my french accent because i i got that thing down perfectly Right with the mat with the Machu, right Machu. Yeah, but you had to put some respect on that name. He's a baller. He's a had baller. To. He's got eleven sacks, and and you know, anytime you watch one of these BC games, he is standing out, right? And when you look at the you know the previous game and how much Taylor Powell was getting hit, right? He's now going to have to Kendrick Sartor is going to have to hold up against against Betts because. You just can't have a game where your quarterback's getting hit that much. He's got to be comfortable in the pocket, be able to stretch it downfield, which is what the Ticats need on offense a little bit, you know, and, and keep handing the ball to James Butler as much as you can. But at some point, you're going to need to take a couple shots to, like we were talking about, Tim White, Terry Gonwin, Duke, those, you know, Keandre Smith, those guys, right? But can't do it unless that pass rush is going to hold up and, you know, just have to get a little bit better in the, in the sack world for for this uh this game against bc and that's where i'm going to be first looking at is is try to slow down bets and on that same exact note you know who i think has a potential to be an x factor in this game another guy whose name i don't even know if we've said it this entire season felix grand gautier yeah how was that for an accent like, yeah there we go we got hey see let's go hey that's Shout what happens when Shout out we, to the Frenchman. That's what I mean. When you play with it off of them, you start figuring, okay, this is how I pronounce your names. I got it. I got this yeah, down. <laughs> that's it. But I think the Ticats got to go two back. They got to bring in the fullback. Mm -hmm. They've got to chip. They got to go at least 60, 60 or 70 for, for the people who are just getting used to these offensive play calls. There are five offensive linemen who are blocking every single play. If I bring an extra receiver, running back, fullback into the box to block, that goes from 50 protection to 60. If I bring a seventh person into the box to block, 
that goes from 60 to 70 protection. And I think the Ticats got to live in that 60 pro minimum because mm-hmm. five, five on four hasn't necessarily been giving Taylor Powell enough time to deliver the ball. Even when they're doing short to intermediate routes, he's been under duress. And, you know, as of late, he, they gave up a bunch of sacks. Now, that's not always on the offensive line. There's timing of the quarterback not throwing on time. There's sometimes the receivers actually get, you know, don't get open. So there's a lot of different factors, but you want to give yourself the best chance to keep the quarterback upright. And if, if it's not there, get a chance to throw the ball away out of bounds. You know, I think that starts with creating a nice, safe pocket with with some escape lanes, you know, have Powell giving him the opportunity to step up into the B gap and maybe escape and maybe extend the play instead of, you know, panicking back, getting slung to the ground. So I think two back formations, Felix in the game and having him chip and block and just earn that paycheck. You know, if not him, then I think maybe even subbing in Richie Sandani, who's a, a bigger receiver than Keandre, and having him bomber into the box to add as another blocker. I think those will be things to look for as well, because you it all starts up front. It all starts up front, um, whether we're talking about run game or we're talking about the pass game. So that all being said, one last X factor at like an individual person that you would like to see in this game or that you think it'd be just interesting to watch. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the backfield to somebody that we were pretty high on, you know, haven't really mentioned his name a ton other than kind of the versatility that he has, but Tunde Delicay. Oh, I thought you're going to go three for three on Frenchman and say Sean Thomas Erlington. No, no, no. I'll leave him (laughs) up for you. I'll leave him up to you. But no, Tunde Adelike, because what he's going to end up seeing is he's going to end up seeing these receivers we were talking about, right? Keon Hatcher is going to show up there in front of him, and he's playing that field halfback spot, right? And that's that's a lonely position out there because there is a lot of field to cover. When you look at all of the defensive backs out there, field halfback has to be the toughest position to play because there is so much space you're not really getting a ton of help from your safety until late because you're so far out, right, on the field side of the field. You may get a little help from your field corner, but he's got his own job to do. And from the where the ball is to the sideline is a massive amount of room. So that is where this BC Lions has lived in their offense, is throwing the ball out there, getting those one-on-one matchups, allowing them to run routes any which way because you have enough field. So I'm really looking for Tunde to to step up and you know make a couple big plays like we all know he can. But I think he's going to get a lot of action, right? Whether it is Keon Hatcher, whether it is Lucky Whitehead that shows up, Katoy, who's you know six six, like two seventy, he's huge, right? He's going to get a lot of action out there. So I'm really looking forward to to Tunde having a good game. How are you? Who are you looking for? You know what? I think Stavros has an opportunity again to flash in this one because. To your point, there are key players on this offense for BC who you you can probably pull indicators off of. You know, when Katoy and Hatcher are in the same side of the field, maybe there's, you know, a certain group of plays that they can run from that personnel grouping and that formation. And I think Stavros, a guy who I think is pretty savvy, knowing when and where to take his chances, where to roll coverage, where to show Vernon Adams that he is and then vacate and go somewhere else. I think this is a game where he can take those chances because 
as great a quarterback as Vernon Adams is, and I give him all of the credit and respect he deserves because he is one of the better quarterbacks in the league this season, he will throw ill-advised passes. A la their game against Toronto where Robertson Daniel broke out onto the scene with three picks of his own, right? So I think Stavros can capitalize. And then this Ticast D just has to do what they've shown flashes of this year, and that's squeeze the pill. When you get the ball, just don't think about anything else. The ball is the issue. The ball is the number one issue at all times in this game. If you keep that on your mind, when it goes up in the sky, just visualize in the park. It's a young kid playing with your friends and someone sells 500. You go up and grab that thing because when you grab the pill on defense, man, you get paid and you get to stay as long as you want. So that's where it all begins. I think it's the deep balls. And tonight, 7 p.m. BC plays. There'll be plenty of them going up. It is the Ticats looking to rebound and get back in the win column against the BC Lions. And of course, if you are not in BC, which if you are, shout out to you for listening to me <laughs> and Mike. We love you. Make sure you subscribe so you can listen every week. But if you are not in BC, listen.tycast.ca to catch the game. And RJ and Luke will take care of you with the call. So this has been another Tiger Cats game day. For Mike Daly, my name is Courtney Steven. And until next week, have a great game day. It's game day and you're ready. So are we. Let us know your thoughts. Email us at gameday at tiecats.ca. Courtney Steven and Mike Daly are here every game day with their insights into today's game. Subscribe to the Tiecats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.